Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. God bless hockey, Billy Gill. God bless hockey, Roy Bellamy. <laughs> God bless hockey, gentlemen. Yeah. Uh, Roy is lashing out. He's screaming at us like we did something to him. Yeah. He's complaining that he's getting old. He pulled out his back. Like, why are you yelling at me and Billy? What's going on with you, Roy? Well, first of all, you idiots picked a great day to tell me to stay home and work from home because yeah. you guys had Anthony declare on the show. Right. I wasn't able to talk to him. Seems sure. like you guys had a good time in that studio. And okay, I'm, this I'm is going to air Friday. That was Wednesday. But, Roy, God why? Like, you're acting you're <laughs> acting like I schedule things. They tell me to take off on Thursday. Yeah, you like, make it seem like Billy Gill decided right. to tell Roy to not come in. I have nothing to do. I looked around, and I said, where's Roy today? I don't know. Did you? You didn't? Roy, Roy. <laughs> I swear I, to God, I looked, I looked yes. at you guys and go, where's Roy today? I said uh, the same thing. Roy, have you noticed that me and Billy have no clout over there? <laughs> like, <laughs> I, By the way, we don't need to go down this path. I have. I feel bad. <laughs> I, I, um, and I didn't tell you this two guys, and I don't think I told Roy this, but I texted, uh, Juju and Tony during game, what was, it? I think game four when the Panthers swept, and I was like, we should, do it would God, have to be game four. We should do God bless hockey. And I told, and I planned on doing it with them. I was like, it'd be great if the three of us did God bless hockey. And now we're actually doing it, and I didn't tell them because I didn't. <laughs> think that we were actually going to be doing this so <laughs> i have to apologize to them for, for doing this without them i don't think they'll be too hurt though we're gonna have uh kenny albert on he is the uh he is the voice of hockey he took over for doc emmerich uh he is the voice of hockey he'll be calling all the stanley cup games on tnt roy's very excited for this i have told dan several times the only person on our show that should have an open microphone to be allowed to talk about hockey because he's the only one who cares. He's the only one who has followed this team over the years, and he's the only one who really truly knows the sport and cares about the sport. Is not you, Billy. Oh. Is Roy? Okay, <laughs> like Roy cares in a way. We have all hopped on the bandwagon. Roy goes to game thirty-two when they're twenty games under five hundred and have no shot of accomplishing anything. That's where Roy <laughs> is, and so Roy put us like. What are you feeling here a couple of days out from your second Stanley Cup as a Panther fan? We had one in 97. They lost. And now we are back again, 2023. You thought it would be last year. Nope. It's this year. So what are you thinking, Roy? You're excited a couple of days out here. Oh, I absolutely am. And I think uh, I think these guys got it. 
because wow. I got them winning in six games in this series. Mm. Wow. So I mm. think they have it this year. Hmm. Why are you doubting that, Billy? I have them winning in five. Oh, okay. All right. Four. Yeah, yeah. I think Roy Ooh. won. I got him winning in three. What? Wow. What? Oh, look who just made an appearance God on the bandwagon. Yes. God bless hockey. <laughs> I think Roy wants him to win in six so that he could see the clinching game. I think oh, I'm going best. to game five. I'm oh, going okay. to game five. Yo. <laughs> Roy's going. Listen, if this thing won 700 games, Roy would be at all 700 of them. Is that fair? Yes, on Middlewalk's dime. Yep. Uh, Roy, do us a favor. Explain to people who don't follow hockey. You're not one of them, but we are. And most of the for audience Mikey a, is. For Mikey A. For Mikey A. Do it for Mikey A. Right, exactly. Hmm. Um, because the Panthers won the President's Cup, which Trophy. is, which is really a curse cup. in disguise. Right, exactly. Um, and then they lost, like most teams who win the President's Cup, like the Bruins did this year Trophy. to the Panthers. Um, but the Panthers went out after having the most points in the NHL. And they made a huge trade for Matthew Kachuk. So um, just talk about this team a little bit, Roy. Like, get people prepared for what they're about to see. Because I was talking, I'm going to name drop. I wish we had the look at me, Louie. I was talking to Tony Amante over the weekend. Oh, wow. And he told me Kachuk is the best in the game right now. So Mm -hmm. uh, go ahead, Roy. Talk about your team. Well, the last month of the season, the Panthers were basically out of the playoffs. In fact, kind of written them from dead uh, after the Ottawa game. Like, oh, they lost out. Like, they are, like, four points out with this many games left. Uh, it might as well be be over. But during the Toronto game, we noticed on the in the bench that Paul Maurice pitched the fit. Like, he was angry. And that seemed to have been the line of demarcation in the season and where the Panthers actually made the playoffs. It was that instance. It was them putting Alex Lyon in, in net instead of Sergei Bobrovsky. And they made the playoffs via like almost miracle. It, it took the Pittsburgh Penguins to lose to the Chicago Blackhawks, the worst team in the league, for the Panthers to clinch the playoff spot. So they get in the playoffs. Who do they face? The greatest regular season team in NHL history, the Boston Bruins. They come back from a 3-1 series deficit to win in game seven. Miracle, basically. Matthew Kachuk. Like, he, he was all over the place in that game. Caught up for Hagee, saved him overtime. It was crazy. And then they go on to Toronto. They beat him in five games and basically got the GM fired because of it. So they move on. They sweep Col- uh, Carolina, which was the toughest matchup for the Panthers, and somehow they got pa- uh, past Carolina. Now, Even though their coach maintains games. it wasn't a sweep, which it was. I mean, It, it was a sweep. I don't know, mm-hmm. I don't know what Rod Brennamore is saying, but – Right. Yeah, it was Matthew Kachuk and Sergey Bobrovsky. Those are the two catalysts for where the Panthers are right now in the postseason. Uh, and how about their matchup with uh, with Vegas? And Vegas is a very good team, right? In fact, I would say that no team has ever really started this. Like, how long have they been in existence? Like five years, and what yeah, a great start years. they've had. Uh, but how do they match up with the with the Vegas Knights? It's basically going to be kind of like the Carolina series. Like, it's going to be. The sweep. toughest matchup they've had. Of oh. course, the Panthers ended up sweeping them. But, again, I think the Panthers are going to win in six. Okay. I have a question, Roy. Are the uh, are the Vegas Golden Knights, are they one of your team? Because you have a couple hockey teams, or you have historically had a couple hockey teams. Well, Vegas ended up being one of my hockey teams for a couple mm. of seasons because of Jim Favola. Because we know we know Jimmy Freed has two guys. Uh, so he's yep. a friend, and he was uh, in the front office there. So yeah. 
not really my team anymore, but it's it was Chicago, then it was Buffalo, then it was Florida. Because I started watching in nineteen ninety two, Blackhawks went to the cup final. And then I saw and then I started rooting for the Sabres and now I'm a Panthers fan because that's my home team. Mm. So that's where we are right now. I feel like it could have been a win-win for you, though. You know what I mean? If you still rooted for the Knights. No, the Knights. no. It's all Panthers right now, Billy. Mm. Boo. Boo. Roy, I'm sure you've heard the saying, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. And as a New York sports fan, all the teams I hate are from Boston. Yeah. So first, I want to say thank you. You're welcome. To, to you for, for not only what the Panthers done, but also the Heat. And I'm just wondering, do you have any sense of pride in particularly beating that Boston team or beating the Celtics even uh, from the Heat? Uh, I have pride in the Panthers being the Bruins because, um, again, the greatest regular season team in NHL history, they defeated a giant. So I have much, much pride in them. And I hate the Celtics. So there's that too. Uh, Roy, do you feel like the Panthers, like, are, are we going to have a parade down Sunrise Boulevard that wraps mm-hmm. around Pat Salerno Boulevard, passes the Edmore Chevrolet, <laughs> Sawgrass Ford, a quarter deck? Like, are we going to have this? Because I, I, I'm not certain which parade I want to see more. One down the Vegas Strip because it would be fun, and one around Sawgrass Mills Mall because it would be sad. Uh, what are you thinking here? <laughs> I think they're, I think they're going to be on boats. It's the guys a boat on the parade, end of huh? Yeah, it's yeah. going to be on a boat. Right. So. You know, Goldie agreed to put us. Goldie, the voice of the Panthers, by the way, uh, agreed to put us in that parade as long as we can secure a bandwagon. Okay. All right, let's get on that. Let's, yeah. let's get the money together and get this bandwagon together. But a bandwagon boat. A bandwagon <laughs> boat. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> if it's going to be a boat parade, I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. Get some oars and everything. Yeah. Roy, how long did you stay in the game after they made it to the Stanley Cup? Like, I, I texted you probably an hour afterwards, and I know no one else was there, certainly not Greg Cody. And you, Roy, you were still in the press box. Like, what yeah. are you doing? Get the hell out of there. Go home. No, I was there at 1230, and so was some other people. I think uh, Brooks Kepka was uh, in his suite huh. partying as well. So there were people still in the arena. But, yeah, I left at 1230. I was just basking in the, uh, in the glow looking at a very empty sheet of ice on the ground. It, it was, I was asking David Jork, hey, man, maybe we should uh, go on the ice and just walk around. He's like, no, no, we might get arrested. Hmm. Uh, Billy, I have an assignment for Roy, if you agree with me, since he goes to all these games. Pick up that name he just dropped with David Dwork. Hockey News. Well, no, and, and pick up a new name, uh, Brooks Kepka. I Jeez. want you to go knock on oh, his wow. suite. Okay. Roy, mm. if you want to be a part of God Bless Hockey, the Stanley Cup could go on for a month. Okay. Mm. Uh, I want you to try to get Brooks Kepka to uh, to join us and be a co-host on God Bless Hockey. Okay. Co-host. I will try. I will try during game three to see what happens. I'll ask. We should take equipment and just rush up to him with a mic. Yeah. 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 Let's do okay. that. That won't get All us right. in trouble. No. no. <laughs> you got you got credentials. Let's do it. I, I do. And and to be honest with you. There's nothing more dangerous than someone who's not worried about losing those credentials. <laughs> you had that right. <laughs> All right, let's get to uh, let's get to Kenny Albert. He is the voice of hockey. He'll be calling the uh, the Stanley Cup for Turner Sports, and he's going to join us right now to break this whole thing down. Stugatz here for my friends over at Miller Lite. A lot has changed over the years. One thing that hasn't, the great taste of Miller Lite. It was the original light beer, and to this day, it's still the best one. Miller Lite has more of the taste you want and less of the stuff you don't. What I love to do, what me and my friends do... 
when we're sitting around, we like to enjoy it with ice-cold Miller Lights. Miller Lite keeps it simple, undebatable quality, great taste, only 96 calories. It's the beer that strips away everything you don't need and holds on to what matters most. The original light beer since 1975. You don't have to choose what's best. Miller Lite has great taste and is less filling. Tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com slash stew, or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 96 calories per 12 ounces, fewer cows and carbs than premium regular beer. Hey, guys. How are you, man? It is just audio, right? I didn't shave. That'll work. Okay. Well, none of us Me neither. Yeah. Does it look like we should playoff beards? Yeah, exactly. It's a playoff, <laughs> Kenny. You're playoff good. Beard. Perfect. We were kind of making fun of you because uh, you gave me a landline to call you earlier. Uh, you still have an AOL email address. I'm not going to give it out, of course. Um, and we, like we were just marveling at how old you are. <laughs> like, you're not that old, Kenny. I do have a cell phone. I do have a cell phone, but... Wow. Oftentimes on radio shows and interviews, a landline seems to work better, right? I do yeah. have AOL. I'm old school. I admit that. Right. Uh, do you still have the paper thrown on your front door? Like, what's going on there? Mm-hmm. It's funny you should say that. I do, although I get the same papers that are thrown at my front door on the iPad, so I'm paying double, but I still like the feel of an actual newspaper occasionally. <laughs> Kenny, I will tell you that uh, of the uh, four of us in here, not including you, of course, the only one who's really qualified to speak to you is Roy, okay, because he loves hockey in a way that we don't. He follows the Panthers in a way that we don't. Uh, so, you know, apologies in advance for my questions. Uh, Roy First of will all, deliver. I, the- I know you were an Islander fan back in the day. So, back, back mm-hmm. in the day. Well, Billy doesn't, Billy doesn't really believe. I don't think Billy believes that you and I knew each other growing up. Now, Kenny was very good friends with my brother. And Kenny would come over all the time. My brother would go to Kenny's house. But I, I'm certain Billy doesn't believe that I know Kenny at all. I, and, think but Billy, time, I think the last time we saw each other, you were probably about eight years old. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That makes so sense. best friends. Yes. <laughs> that, that makes sense is that you guys knew each other in passing at a, lot, a different stage in your lives. And then all of a sudden, here you are about to call the Stanley Cup final. And so you guys like, hey, want to do me a favor for old time's sake? It's confirmed. Uh, <laughs> I was good friends with Eric, his brother. <laughs> from about uh, third or fourth grade on, I guess. Yeah. And I was at their house all the time. Harbor Acres, right? Yeah. Yep. I was at their house. He was at my house really all the time between about fourth and 10th or 11th grade. Uh-huh. So it, it's probably been a good 40 years since you thought about him. <laughs> I thought about him, but I haven't seen him. <laughs> but uh, true story, he, he, he was the little four or five, six-year-old running around the house. Well, okay, then let me ask you something, because he was speaking very fondly of something that he called the Basement Olympics and said that you would love to talk about this. Do you have any idea what he's talking about? Well, I'm pretty sure it had to do with the Atari video games Yeah, uh, back in the day. So I think we're about four or five years apart, right? I'm 55. Yeah. Um, That was the big thing. You know, there were no computers, not many video games, and then these Atari cartridges came out, and... The other three of you are probably too young to remember, but uh, that was a huge deal. Um, you know, it, it was ping pong, tennis, um, space invaders, Pac-Man. Yep. <laughs> it all started with Atari, and we would all get together in the basement and uh, play the Atari video games as well as other uh, sporting events that you'd be able to do inside. 
We uh, we took it one step further, Billy. We combined the video games with we had uh, we had construction blocks, we had Tonka toys, we would do a high jump, a long jump. I mean, it was ping pong. It was a whole deal, you know. And hmm. Kenny always won. He won a lot of gold medals. You know, you know it, it was a lot uh, simpler time, right? When we weren't all staring at our cell phones or our iPads <laughs> or our computer screens back then, back yes. in the seventies. Yeah, yes, he is the voice of hockey. He is Kenny Albert. He'll be uh, calling the uh, the Stanley up the Vegas Knights and the Florida Panthers uh, for Turner Sports. Uh, Kenny, if I told you when we were growing, uh, growing up, you would you at one point in your life will be calling a Stanley Cup that involved a team from Florida and a team for Las Vegas, we should all apologize to Canada. You would have told me what? Well, that's a good point. You know, back when we were growing up in the 70s, it was the Montreal Canadiens and the Islanders and then the Edmonton Oilers in the early 80s, but First of all, if you told me that I would be calling a Stanley Cup, I, I would have thought you were crazy. You know, we right. were calling the games in our heads in the driveway back then, whether it was street hockey, roller hockey, basketball, throwing around a football. But uh, so fortunate to be involved. It's my second Stanley Cup on the TV side. I've worked eight others on the radio side, but uh, couldn't be more excited. And to have these two markets, Vegas and Florida, both remarkable stories. The Vegas Golden Knights are in their sixth season in the NHL. And it's their second trip to the Stanley Cup final. Uh, the Panthers obviously went through a long drought. They went to the final in 96. Never won a playoff series for another 25 years. But uh, here they are. They finished with the best record in the regular season last year. Lost in the second round. And now they've had a tremendous run through the playoffs after almost not making it. The last week of the season, they were out of that eighth spot. And they wind up getting into the playoffs. Down 3-1 to Boston. In the first round, a Bruins team that set records for wins and points in the regular season and uh, got past Toronto and Carolina losing only one game in the last two rounds. And here they are in the cup final against Vegas. Kenny has a new book out, A Mic for All Seasons, and we'll get to that uh, in just a second and promote that for you uh, on the way out uh, as well. Listen, you, you are very deserving of what it is you do. You should be the voice of hockey. You love hockey. You're great at your craft. But I would imagine, and I, and I can't imagine, there's too much uh, that intimidates you at this point. But what was it like taking over for a legend, uh, the legend that is Doc Emmerich? Because he did it forever. He did it as well as anyone. You took it over last year. Was that daunting to you? Were you nervous doing that? I wouldn't necessarily ner uh, say nervous, but uh, it's definitely a, a bigger stage calling the cup final than regular season games or playoff games in the earlier rounds. Uh, Doc Emmerich, to me, is one of the greatest of all time. He's the Vin Scully of hockey. That's how I refer to him. And sure. um, I've known him for 30 or 35 years. Not as long as I've known you, but pretty close. <laughs> and uh, a big honor. Uh, I, I took over, called the 2021 Cup Final at NBC after Doc retired. And now uh, in year two at Turner, we rotate the final with ESPN every year. They had it last year. We'll have it this year and again in two years. So so it's a big honor. I've been real fortunate uh, to call NFL playoff games throughout my career, um, some NBA and, and uh, MLB playoff games as well. But to call the championship uh, of any sport is, is really special. There aren't many of us that get to do it. So uh, couldn't be more excited and, and proud to work with the crew uh, Eddie Olchek and Keith Jones, and then the great studio crew that will be traveling with us as well. So can't wait to get started. You know, Mike for All Seasons is a pretty good name for a book for a guy who did four sports in nine days. Talk about that stretch. 
I've had I've had a couple of stretches like that, usually in October when everything uh, overlaps. Um, there were a couple of years where I had football games on weekends and um, baseball playoffs I did for a number of years, and then NHL regular season and some NBA either preseason or, or regular season. There was one year, I think it was 2019, I also called a boxing match, so I think I had five sports within about 12 or 13 days of one another. And to me, those are always, um, you know, the most exciting times when you're involved in in so many different sports. I love the variety. And um, as long as you're organized and get the work done, and I tend to get more work done on planes and in airports and hotel rooms anyway. So not as big a deal uh, when there's so many things going on at once. But I do chronicle that uh, some of those situations in the book and Mike for all seasons, as you guys mentioned, um, it was a project that I started during the pandemic when we all had a lot of time at home and my family had been bugging me, my wife and kids to uh, put my stories down on paper because I often speak with high school and college broadcasting students, camps throughout the summer and always wind up telling the same stories on radio shows and podcasts. So uh, to put it all down on paper, wrote it myself, no ghostwriter, wanted it to be my own words. So it's a combination of uh, stories about my early life growing up in in Port Washington, Sands Point, New York, uh, not too far from the Wiener family. Uh, <laughs> the early days broadcasting high school games on Long Island in college at NYU, and then uh, my first job in minor league hockey with the Baltimore Skipjacks, where my road roommate was our assistant coach, Barry Trotz, who's now the third mm-hmm. winningest coach in NHL history. To save money at the minor league level, they had the radio guy room with the assistant coach, and there's a there's a great story in there about when Barry set up a prank. I was arrested, a fake arrest up in up in Canada during a road trip. So I chronicle that in the book. Um, one of my other favorites is in 2003, after Game Seven of the Yankees Red Sox uh, championship series, the Aaron Boone home run game. Yeah, um, I was the sideline reporter for Fox, and it's about one in the morning. Game went late, extra innings. Yankee Red Sox games always took a long time, and I'm in the locker room during the ceremony interviewing Joe Torre and Mariano Rivera and the, the trophy uh, presentation, I'm sort of emceeing it. And I sent it back up to the booth and, and we're off the air at that point. And to my left, I see out of the corner of my eye, mayor Bloomberg, uh, the New York city mayor at the time. And his public relations person came over to me and whispered, can you have the mayor on next? And I said, well, we're off the air. He says, can you fake it? So <laughs> he didn't want to lose his job. So we called up Mayor Bloomberg. I told the camera person, pretend like you're rolling on this. And I did a five-minute interview with the mayor that never went anywhere. So um, <laughs> you know, it, it's stories such as that, some travel tales about crazy uh, situations I've been in trying to get from one city to another, stories about the 250 or so color analysts I've worked with in the various sports, uh, stories about memorable games. I worked a 20 inning baseball game once on Fox, the Mets and the Cardinals. I never went to the bathroom once in seven hours, never what? left the to go to the Mets room. So, um, just worked that four overtime game last week. I did go a couple of times between periods <laughs> that night, but, uh, stories about memorable games. I worked the Jose Bautista home run bat flip in the playoffs in 2015, some, uh, football playoff games, Olympics. So it was a lot of fun to, uh, to put together and can't wait until it comes out this September. Does the mayor know that interview never aired? I don't know. Probably not. Um, <laughs> a follow-up story with the same mayor six years later, Yankees Angels ALCS, new Yankee Stadium. I'm doing the interviews. 
And the producer is yelling in my ear, don't turn to your left. Don't ask the mayor a question. This time he came onto the podium, but it turns out it was the election season. And if we had interviewed him, we would have had to give equal time. Oh, it was a pony. So there are actually two stories involving Mayor Bloomberg. I'm not sure if he's aware of any of them. I've told (laughs) stories on some radio shows uh, throughout the years. So uh, perhaps we'll hear about it once the book is published. Had you done the first interview during election time, would you have had to do a fake interview with his opponent? <laughs> That's a good point. They, they had to do a fake interview. Actually, the second time when we didn't interview him, his office got, and I write about this in the book, his office got upset because he was actually on TV standing there and I never turned to him. And they threatened to take away from Fox uh, the special parking for their production truck. That's, <laughs> oh, oh, no. But no. When, when the... Uh, when the equal time was explained to them, they backed off. <laughs> you mentioned you did uh, extra inning games, and of course, you did game one of uh, the game uh, Carolina and Florida, which went what 140 hockey minutes there. Like, how do you prepare for long games like that? You really don't. I mean, when a game goes that long, at that point, I'm hoping it breaks a record, right? You want to be part of history, right. and only five games in the history of the sport had gone longer. Five games had gone to a fifth overtime. This one ended with, what, 12 seconds, 13 seconds left in the fourth overtime. But it actually, it doesn't seem like it's as long as it is while you're calling the game for a couple of reasons. Number one, you think it could end at any time, right? You're not expecting it to go four overtimes, just like I wasn't expecting the baseball game to go 20 innings. The intermissions are a little shorter. They're 15 minutes during the overtime. And there are no commercial breaks, right? No TV timeouts. So it definitely goes quicker than the other periods. And if you remember... Uh, Roy, in that game, the Panthers actually scored a goal three minutes into the first overtime. Yeah, it was overturned. Ryan this allowed yeah. for goalie interference. Right. So we all thought it ended. Some of the fans started to leave the building, but they wound up playing uh, a total of almost four full overtimes. So, yeah. Kenny, that's interesting. You're not rooting for the game to end because you want to go home and get the hell out of there. You're saying, hey, I've gone this far. I might as well be a part of history. Exactly. Now, I can't say the same for my partners. I think they wouldn't have been upset if the game had been earlier. <laughs> I kept getting looks from Eddie Olchek. But, uh, no, at that point, I think you want to be a part of history. And I felt fine during the game. I had the energy, didn't feel tired. It ended at 1.54 a.m. But the next day when I woke up, I felt like I was hit by a truck or <laughs> or it just got off a red-eye flight without sleep. I was feeling the effects for another couple of days, so I don't know how the players do it. Of the four major sports, which one for you is the most difficult to call? That's a question that I get all the time, and and everyone is always surprised by the answer. People always think hockey would be the most difficult because of all the the foreign names, European names, and the fact that the players change on the fly. They don't have to wait for a stoppage to make a line change. To me, hockey is the easiest, maybe because I've done it for the longest, 33 years. Um, It's like riding a bike. I've had so many reps. Uh, basketball is similar. I do about 15 Knicks games on TV every year with Walt Clyde Frazier. It's not the same pace as hockey. It's slower, but it's it's similar in, in, in that the ball's in action for the entire 48 minutes. The puck's in action for 60 minutes. You're calling the game, setting up your color analyst. Football, which I've done now for 29 years, is the most rhythmic. It's one play, and then it's 20 or 25 seconds. It's one play, and then it's 20 or 25 seconds. Um, I set up the play, call the play, recap the play, and then your color analyst comes in. It was probably the most challenging when I worked in the three-man situation with Moose Johnston up in the booth and and the great Tony Saragusa, the late great Tony Saragusa down on the field because uh, he was hundreds of feet away from us. And it was amazing 
um, how little uh, Daryl and Tony or myself uh, stepped on each other, talked over one another. We all had a feel for it. Um, and one of us would stop talking and then Tony would come in every couple of plays. Baseball to me is the most challenging. I've never done a team. So I've only done about at most 15 to 20 baseball games a year with Fox. Um, to me, that's the most challenging because you have so much downtime between pitches. Not, not as much now because of the pitch clock. So it's definitely different. But, um, you know, that's my long answer to a short question. It's different now, but has it gotten easier with the pitch clock? I've only done one game with the pitch clock because I've been focused solely on hockey. Um, it, it is probably easier from from a broadcast standpoint, and it does have a quicker pace with the pitch clock. There's not as much time to fill in between pitches. Uh, Kenny, what's the best piece of advice? Obviously, your dad, legendary broadcaster, uh, Marv Albert. Uh, what What's the best piece of advice your dad gave you as you were getting into this business? You know, it was mostly from what I observed by osmosis. It wasn't anything he necessarily told me, but it was the preparation from a play-by-play standpoint. That's the thing that I learned from him more than anything else was the amount of preparation that goes into it. Um, to me, it's work, but it's fun. Uh, I'm sitting, you know, at my desk where I do a lot of my prep work when I'm home. And what am I doing? I'm watching sporting events. I'm reading about sporting events. I'm pouring through statistics and articles. So it, it certainly beats, uh, you know, doing something you hate for a living, right? So yes. preparation, organization. Um, I learned the passion that he had for it. And what I tell youngsters, high school and college students, is to get as much experience as possible. A lot of schools, high schools, colleges have some kind of broadcasting programs, radio, television, a lot of the college conferences, uh, the Big Ten Network, the ACC Network, for example, let kids get involved, uh, try and get internships. And really, even if it's not the exact area you're interested in, get as much experience as possible. There are so many jobs behind the scenes as well. On a typical NFL game that I work on a Sunday, there are 75 to 100 people working on that broadcast from the producer, director, cameraman, camerawomen, graphics, uh, replay technicians. Uh, there are so many different jobs available aside from the people that you hear or see behind the microphone. Let's talk about the uh, cup final for a second, because I think that the Panthers are heading into a series which could very well be similar to the series they had with the Hurricanes. Am I right about that? I agree. I, I think it's two evenly matched teams. Even though they swept the Hurricanes, every game was one goal. The first two went to overtime, so it really could have gone either way. Um, you have players with with cup experience on both sides. Five members of the Golden Knights have won the cup. Uh, three members of the Panthers have won the cup. You have coaches who have both been in the Stanley Cup final before. Uh, neither of them won, but they've both been there. You know, the goaltending is interesting. You have the veteran and Sergei Bobrovsky for the Panthers, 13 years in the league. He's won the Vezina Trophy twice as the top goaltender in the NHL. And you have sort of the unproven younger Aiden Hill, who kind of came out of nowhere. He was not even the starter at the beginning of the playoffs, but he shut out the Dallas Stars twice in the last round. He's been outstanding. So an interesting contrast there amongst the goalies, but two pretty similar teams. Do you think there's going to be any rink rust for the Panthers with this long layoff? You know, it's a good question, Roy. It could go either way. You know, either there's some rust because they will not have played in nine or ten days, or they could be well-rested, right? Vegas has played three games since the Florida Panthers played their last game. Kenny, what impressed you? You spent a lot of time with the Panthers calling those games. Um, what was the thing that impressed you the most about their team? You know, I think, first of all, when you look at what Matthew Kachuk did, he's been a great player in the league. His dad was a great player, his brother. 
Uh, so it's a terrific hockey family, but um, it's his first year playing in Florida, six years in Calgary, late games, playing in, you know, obscurity, if you want to use that word, because uh, the Calgary Flames aren't on national TV a lot. The games are late. There's not as much attention on them in the U.S. We all knew he was a great player, but to see him in Florida and what he's done this year, especially in the last series against Carolina, scoring the two overtime goals and then the game winner in game uh, four against the Hurricanes. But I think from top to bottom, um, they're deep, both up front and on defense. Uh, the defensemen are probably better than the sum of their parts uh, or the sum of the parts, I guess, is probably better than if you look at uh, the six guys individually, but they've done a terrific job. Uh, Aaron Ekblad's the only homegrown defenseman. The other five all came from elsewhere. Their captain, Alexander Barkov, is an outstanding player on both ends, offensively and defensively. Uh, they have Carter Verhage, who scored over 40 goals and some big ones in the playoffs. Uh, Sam Bennett, Sam Reinhardt, um, you know, players that did not have a lot of playoff experience, but they've stepped it up during this postseason. Seems like Paul Maurice is taking a hands-off approach and is getting pretty relaxed beyond the bench. And it's pretty much showing them that the players have accountability on the ice, that they can clean up their own mistakes and figure things out for themselves. Am I right? He really does seem relaxed, doesn't he? Um, yeah. Again, yeah. a guy that's been a coach for a long time. He's sixth all-time in wins in the NHL. But when he wanted to put the screws to his club, he did. You know, we all saw the videos during the regular season on a couple of occasions when he really gave it to them on the bench. But uh, his style, his attitude uh, seems to be working. And Bruce Cassidy on the other side, same thing. A coach who reached the cup with Boston in 2019, lost in game seven on home ice, um, fired after last season, and he takes his new club all the way to the cup final. Kenny, Brendan Moore not calling that a sweep, refusing to call it a sweep. Is that the most asinine thing you've ever heard a coach say? I mean, <laughs> yeah, I understand what he was saying because no. the series was, every game was one goal. So, you know, I guess if you're Rod Brendan Moore, um, you want to defend your team. And uh, in his mind, because it was such a close series, every goal was a one goal game, but it was a sweep. They did lose it for. Right. Um, so what do you think? You got game one coming up Saturday night on TNT. I don't want to ask you for, for a prediction here because you're calling the game. You got to remain neutral. You got to remain biased. But uh, let me do it this way. The Panthers will win the Stanley Cup if they do blank. If Bobrovsky continues to do what he's been doing uh, okay. in the last 12 games, if he continues to stand on his head, um, I think that would be the number one thing among others. But if they continue to get the unbelievable goaltending from Bobrovsky, I think they win the cup. Kenny, do you have a most embarrassing moment on air? Do you have one? Um, Nothing major. There are a couple. I did get the hiccups on air one time when I was calling <laughs> a, a Rangers game on the radio. And oh, that's tough. To, you could do that during baseball, but hockey. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> fortunately, I was able to reach for the cough button. Um, no major mistakes, as far as I know. It's live TV or live radio. So mistakes are going to happen, but, um, you know, no major ones. I think dur during hockey and in particular the playoffs, you know, you you, you want to make sure you get all the goals right, obviously. And in hockey these days, there are so many deflections and tips in front of the net that sometimes it's hard to tell if it went off a player's stick or off a defenseman. But uh, during the Florida series, you know, that was one of the, from a play-by-play -play standpoint, all of those winning goals scored by Kachuk were pretty clean. There weren't any issues. So that would be the big thing while calling hockey games.
So was it like great save by Sutukin? <laughs> it, it was close. It was close. It was a radio late night Rangers game in LA at the old forum. Um, you know, I always tell the story about not going to the men's room during that 20 inning game. Um, but aside from that, uh, not too bad. It's amazing to me that you do both uh, radio and television because they are so different. Is there one you enjoy doing more? Because, I mean, with radio, you have to fill in so much more of that empty space. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, Hockey is really the one sport where I go back and forth between TV and radio. In the other three, I've done primarily TV. I've done a couple of radio games, basketball, baseball, football, but it's been 99% television. But uh, the biggest differences between radio and TV on radio, you have to be so descriptive as far as where the puck is in hockey, where the players are on the ice. You have to give the score and the time a lot more because the listeners can't see it on the screen. They're both a lot of fun. Radio, I think, is where you learn your fundamentals, and I would certainly recommend that any young broadcaster gets their start in radio. But on television, uh, there are usually a lot more eyeballs on it than there might be on a radio game. Uh, it's certainly higher profile. You know, I've done NFL playoff games and there are probably 40 million people watching uh, some baseball playoff games and obviously now the Stanley Cup finals. So um, uh, on television, you know, you have a producer and a director talking in your ear. You have to follow along with what's going on on the screen. On, on radio, you're pretty much your own producer. It doesn't matter what you're talking about because uh, they can't see it. So uh, both are a lot of fun. My goal uh, when I was in high school and college was to do hockey on the radio and Obviously, it developed from there. Um, none of us expected Fox to make this crazy deal to get the NFC package back in 1994. Never in my wildest dreams that I think I would be doing NFL football games on TV at the age of 26. And Fox decided to hire Pat Summerall and John Madden, Dick Stockton and Matt Millen as the two veteran crews. And then they went with four younger, unproven play-by-play broadcasters, uh, myself, Joe Buck, Tom Brenneman and Kevin Harlan. And I'm, I'm so proud to say that I'm heading into year 30. Uh, Joe Buck, one of the greatest of all time, now with ESPN Monday Night Football. Kevin Harlan does a great job now with CBS and TNT. Tom Brenneman was with Fox for over 25 years. So, um, again, none of us expected to be there. We were in the right place at the right time. And, again, hard to believe it's 30 years. He's the voice of hockey. He'll bring you all the Stanley Cup games starting Saturday night on TNT. He also has a new book out, A Mike for All Seasons. Kenny Albert with us. Kenny, quickly here, and we appreciate the time on the way out. Uh, tell people where they can get the book. Promote the book one more time on the way out here. All right, I appreciate it. So it's yeah. available for pre-order. It won't be published until uh, around August. It, it comes out in early September. And I think the pre-orders will be sent out in late September, early October. So if you Google it, a mic for all seasons, M-I-C, like a microphone. And like I said, it's a compilation of stories about my early life, calling the four sports, color analysts, travel tales, Olympics, how we did things during the COVID year. A years, uh, I was in the bubble in Edmonton for 37 days calling playoff hockey. Um, you know, the stories I mentioned regarding Barry Trotz and, and Mayor Bloomberg, among many, many others. It was really a lot of fun. I uh, wrote it myself. Uh, the forward, two forwards, Wayne Gretzky and Walt Clyde Frazier. Uh, I was a huge fan of both as a kid yep. and wind up working with both. Uh, call about 15 Knicks games a year with Clyde. And Wayne Gretzky's part of our TNT crew, and he'll be on the road in Vegas and Florida, along with the pregame and intermission postgame crew, Liam McHugh, Paul Bissonette, Anson Carter, Henrik Lundqvist, and Wayne, and 
Wayne worked a game with us last year in the booth and uh, so gracious along with Clyde to take part. Uh, so their names will be on the cover. They wrote the forwards and uh, can't wait to see it in print, but it could be ordered online uh, through Amazon and Barnes and Noble. If you, if you put in the title of Mike for all seasons in the Google search, it'll pop right up. So appreciate you allowing me to uh, do a sales pitch here. No, we appreciate your time. We'll uh, we'll come see you uh, when you're down here in South Florida. If you need help in the booth with anything, uh, I'm your guy. You need a color guy. I'm here for you, okay? <laughs> you know that Keith Jones, who is wrapping up his broadcast career, he's right. supposed to become the president of hockey operations for the Philadelphia Flyers. He would appreciate a slice of pizza after the first period. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, done. And listen, if I don't see you, I'll see you again in 40 years, okay? There we go. It's been a while. <laughs> I'd love to challenge you in one of those Atari games. <laughs> Done. You probably still have an Atari with your AOL address. I mean, probably do. <laughs> uh, Kenny, this has been great. We know it's a busy time for you, uh, and we appreciate your time. Plus, with radio, by the way, I failed to mention, don't need to shave, right? Like, yeah. you don't, don't need, need to shave on radio. Yeah, yeah it's <laughs> great. All right, we're looking forward to your call Saturday night, sir. Uh, it's been great catching up, and we'll, uh, we'll come see you out at the arena. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. All right. Thank you, Kenny. Stugatz here for my friends over at Miller Lite. A lot has changed over the years. One thing that hasn't, the great taste of Miller Lite. It was the original light beer, and to this day, it's still the best one. Miller Lite has more of the taste you want and less of the stuff you don't. What I love to do, what me and my friends do, when we're sitting around, we like to enjoy it with ice-cold Miller Lights. Miller Lite keeps it simple, undebatable quality, great taste, only 96 calories. It's the beer that strips away everything you don't need and holds on to what matters most. The original light beer since 1975. You don't have to choose what's best. Miller Lite has great taste and is less filling. Tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com slash stew, or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 96 calories per 12 ounces, fewer cows and carbs than premium regular beer.